Off season is here, but Pro Football Doc Podcast means guest season, and we have special guest Dean Blandino, where we actually have a lot in common, he and I, kind of kidding, and we'll get into that a little bit. And then after the segment with our special guests, we'll get to the rest of the podcast where we do all sports, off-season stuff, and the usual rundown. So here we go with our special guest. We're thrilled to have our very first guest of these, this off-season to be Dean Blandino. He's someone I met down in Phoenix, was super nice to me, and uh, agreed to come on. I ran into to uh, Dean, and uh, I think I might, I don't know if I insulted him, but I basically said, look, what I do as pro football doc is the medical Dean Blandino. So with that introduction, welcome to the show, Dean. Thanks for having me. Definitely not. That was not a, uh, I took it as a compliment. I took it in, in a good way. So yeah, def- definitely. Yeah. So that, that actually is the, the quickest thing when I say, what do I do? I say, um, I'm the, medical Mike Pereira, the medical Dean Blandino, and people instantly get it. And I wanted to have you on because there are actually a lot of parallels to some of the things that we're doing. Now, obviously, you're doing it live and, and on TV and in the, the big time deal here. But uh, uh, that's kind of what we do, right? In terms of we're sitting here in our command center looking at replays and telling people in real time, Patrick Mahomes has a high ankle sprain and how will he do in the second half of the game or in the Super Bowl? We're sitting there saying, hey, look, uh, he sprained his uh, he has a mild aggravation of the high ankle sprain and how will he do, et cetera. So in some ways, there's a lot of similarities to to what we do. And I appreciate your coming on here. And I want to tell you to tell people, like, how did you get into this? Like, like you're, is this stressful for you to like do these, you know, hundreds of millions of people's instantaneously and just do the analysis or is this just uh par for the course for you? Yeah, it's become par for the course. I mean, for me with officiating, I, I usually tell people I didn't, I didn't choose officiating as a career. It chose me. I didn't, I didn't have an officiating background. Unlike a lot of my 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 peers, I you know I, I just got involved as an intern at the NFL, and they had a couple of internships available. Interviewed in a couple of different departments, and they offered me a position in officiating. Didn't know anything about it, but I loved the NFL. Played sports my whole life. Wanted to be a part of it, and it grew from there. And so over the years, spent so much time watching video, breaking things down from that perspective. And I didn't have an on-field background to to have to unlearn. Uh, you know, with with on-field officials, they look at a game the cer- a certain way. They have to make split-second decisions in replay. And and when we're when we're analyzing plays, it, it is more analytical, and you have the ability to look at different angles and, and take more time. And so that that's just been my experience. So it was a nat- natural transition to TV to be able to come on and see something, and then. And then articulate that and explain it for the fans and the viewers watching the broadcast. And it's been, I know Fox Sports was the first ones to do it with Mike Pereira. Now we've seen a proliferation of of rules and, uh, you know, analysts throughout different sports and different organizations. And like you said, David, there's there's a lot of parallels between what I do and what you do, because you're looking at the video and you're breaking down what's happening. And people want to know. They want to know if Patrick Mahomes is 
is, you know, what is the injury or what, what's the likelihood that he's going to return? And, and I think, uh, you know, both, both roles are, are really important. Yeah. And, and, and you bring up a great point. That's what we do when we're in the command center or out of the office, we have a team of people. It's about get me every replay angle, right? Because on one angle, you might not see anything like in game Kadarius Tony, when he was hurt in the AFC, uh, in the NFC championship game, AFC championship game. Um, we thought it was announced as ankle, but we thought maybe it was his right foot, but it wasn't until we saw the all 22 that we're like, ah, that's an inversion ankle sprain of his left ankle. And we had good confidence that he would return to play in the Super Bowl. Right. I mean, you need the right replay angle. How many times for you do you, it looks like a completion. Look at that. The Devontis Smith catch yeah. early on, you know, uh, it looked like a completion, but live time was like, he's saying huddle up and snap. That ball's not complete, but it wasn't like until a minute later that you saw the replay where the ball did move, right? When it hit the ground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I would imagine that's the same when you're looking at the mechanism of an injury. You have to see all the angles and have the ability to then break it down. And, and we can't make a definitive ruling on a call if we don't have a definitive angle, if we don't have a a shot that shows us the football touching the ground or, or the foot stepping out of bounds, whatever the issue may be. And, uh, and I, like I said, that's why I think there are a lot of parallels um, as to what, and, 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 you know, I'm not sure a lot of people know, and I'm sure you've, you discussed this in terms of what happens at an NFL game and the number of medical professionals that are monitoring those games and watching video and, and working with the, working with the athletes. And it's not just, it's not just like we, you and I talked about when we when we were in Phoenix. You know, you look at the Demar Hamlin situation. It's not just a, you know, a a muscle injury or or a ligament injury. It's it's those types of medical emergencies, and the NFL has all of that covered, which which we saw play out with with Demar Hamlin and how you know and and that you know he's recovering and had a, a happy ending. Yeah. And, and this is what we try and tell people, like, it's not just me, but whether it's NBA or Major League Baseball, first of all, we're better at football because most of the injuries are traumatic in nature so that you can see it on video, right? If you go to a doctor and you say you hurt your knee playing indoor soccer, the doctor says, what happened? Well, I was yeah. running this way. I got hit on the outside, felt a pop. My kneecap went this way. That's the video, right? And so we're really good at traumatic. Overuse is harder, right? Baseball, you know, or a hamstring. What grade is that hamstring? or to try and judge the severity of a concussion, very difficult to do. But traumatic injuries in terms of an ACL or shoulder or a high ankle, that's kind of what we're good at. And and looking at video is really uh, where it's at from, from different angles. And the other thing I think that makes you special that we try and do is, see, you know rules and you were an official, but what makes you different is like you could be a great referee in high school or college, but they can't do what you do because you did it in the NFL and from the control room. You were in the room when it happened for a Hamilton reference. And that's what we try and do. Get doctors. We have a former Bulls doctor, baseball guy, myself and others. We were, quote, in the team room when it happened, you know, evaluating for the draft, looking at injuries on the sidelines, in the locker room, and the next day after an MRI. And I think it gives a different perspective to the situation, which is what I love what you bring to the broadcast, right? You bring this perspective that no one else can have because you were in the room when it happened, and now you can explain it to people. Yeah, and that, that was the transition really just going from the NFL, their command center, they call it Game Day Central, 
uh, to our Fox Sports studio. It, it wasn't much different in terms of the operation and you've got a monitor wall and you have all these different games going on and you have access to the video and you can run the video back and forth. That's what we did in the NFL in Game Day Central and we were monitoring their games and communicating with our referees and our replay officials. And like you said, I was in the room for, for all of these calls and whether it be championship games or in the replay booth for the Super Bowl. And so that's given me a unique experience that I can now use with Fox Sports and on the broadcast to be able to let viewers in on that process. Here's what they're looking at. Here's here's what they're they're talking about. Here's what the referee is communicating to the coach. Uh, because I've, I've been there and done that, and and so we can kind of give the fans that that exposure to something that they they haven't been before, which which I think our role provides. Yeah, ab- absolutely, and uh, that that's the perspective that we try and 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 have. Now, let's use some of your perspective. Okay, the 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 Super Bowl holding call. Uh, we all heard about it. You've talked about it. That you know your quote of if it's a foul in the first quarter, it's a foul in the fourth quarter. I guess the question is, was that a was yeah. was it called in the first quarter? Is the question. Yeah. And the follow up there is, I can't remember the last time, Dean, and I don't keep stats on this, that there was an NFL football game and there wasn't a single offensive holding call all game. Yeah, so it it has happened. It's unusual. Offensive holding um, is is the most called foul. Uh, pretty much every year and and they average somewhere between two and a half and three offensive holds per game and and I think that defensive hold obviously a lot of people wanted to talk about it I think the first thing you start with is it a foul yes it's a foul he grabbed the jersey that by rule is a foul then we get into the consistency conversation if you call it the first quarter you got to call it the fourth quarter and I I truly believe that and I think officials that's their mindset but I think a lot of people felt like, and myself included, you know, as a fan, you're watching this amazing game and you want to see the Eagles get the ball back and see how this plays out. Are they going to be able to tie the game with a field goal or maybe go ahead with a touchdown rather than see two, two kneel downs and a field goal? And, and I think that kind of contributed to some of the outcry after the game. Um, but again, you make a good point, and a lot of people have talked about this. Well, they didn't call. There was one early in the game um, where they missed the defensive pass difference. They didn't call that. And, again, you're just looking for that consistency. Officials aren't perfect. They're not going to make every call, um, that that every foul that happens. There's seven officials. There's 22 players. They're just not going to see everything. That official saw that jersey grab, made the call, and if you don't call it and it has an impact on the play, then then you're deciding the game or, or having a big impact on the game by not throwing your flag. So it's just one of those deals with officiating. It's tough. Sometimes it's one of those calls where whether you make it or you don't make it, you're always going to have people on either side that are going to be upset, and that's just part of it. Yeah, and, and the other interesting thing is, you know, I was at the game and and I didn't see the holding live right from my seat and I brought my son to the game, et cetera. But all the Eagles fans around me were very upset by that. And they were like, the first thing they said is uncatchable. I'm like, holding uncatchable doesn't apply. Yeah. But I, I got confused too until I heard the announcement because the flag came in late. You didn't see the flag until the ball was already 
thrown over Juju's head. Like, I don't yeah. know if the official had a hard time getting out of his pocket. That If the flag were thrown earlier, and yes, the flag was thrown towards the line of scrimmage where the holding happened, but you saw the flag after the ball. You saw the ball in the TV frame, and I think that's what confused people too because it seemed late after the fact. Yeah, is, there's is no all. question. And I think that's – and it is because I heard a lot of people say it wasn't catchable. And, and like you said – Defensive holding that that's prior to the pass. The cat, whether the ball's catchable or not, eventually that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. People were talking about, well, he was within five yards. That doesn't matter for defensive holding. That can occur anywhere. And I think from a process standpoint, and that's sometimes we tend to see that sometimes. Well, the official threw the flag late. What happened? And you have to think about okay, that official has a, a, a responsibility. Um, at the snap, based on the look, and that in that instance, it was it was. Smith Schuster and Bradbury, they were the Smith Schuster was the was the widest receiver in the formation. So that's going to be that official's primary. And then they have to watch the play, see the grab, process it, but also officiate the rest of the play. And I think that's where sometimes we get the disconnect with, well, the flag was late. Well, that official's processing what they just saw. They may have it in their mind. I've got a foul, but now the quarterback is rolling out of the pocket. The ball is coming out. They have to continue to officiate the play. And that's why sometimes there might be a late flag, because if you just throw the flag and come in, you're not officiating the rest of the play and something else significant could happen. So I think that sometimes contributes to uh, a late flag or what we perceive as a late flag, uh, right. because there is that kind of process that the official has to go through. Yeah, and and that confused people. But the other thing is, I think we all saw that late angle, which actually was the angle that the field judge saw, right? And it was very clear tug of the jersey. The the original TV angles, you know, you even saw the broadcasters talking about the holding the grab with the left hand around his waist a little bit. That wasn't yeah. the call. It was the tug on the jersey and the jersey separating, you know, and and from the field judge's angle that was very clear. And I think if you saw that angle and the, and if TV had broadcast that angle, there'd be less complaints about it. Right. Yeah. I think, I think the initial angle, and that's where that, that interaction between whether it's myself or Mike Pereira, who was on the game and Mike did a great job of communicating to the truck and to Greg and Kevin that no, it, it happened earlier in the route. Cause the first replay we showed, it was a little bit later and, and that clearly wasn't what the official called. And so we did come back and show the entire route. And I think that gave people a better perspective of what the official saw. And I think that's, right. that's part of it. That's part of that communication um, as us as rules analysts, people only see us come on the broadcast and, and talk about maybe a replay review or something, but we're communicating with the truck and communicating with the talent on the air um, throughout the game on things like that. No, it happened earlier or, or they've got a hold in the left tackle. So TV, so the producer can find that replay quicker and, uh, and the, and the announcers can talk about it. Yeah. And, and one thing I noticed because uh, Sunday night football uh, has uh, a former Jaguars athletic trainer on the sidelines and uh, he does a great job of, I think, pointing out the replays. I noticed Sunday Night Football always comes out of TV and has a replay of the injury, a good angle of it. And uh, and that's kind of what, what you guys do, too. But a follow-up question on this perspective and angles. I mean, another famous call was that, or non-call, was the Rams-Saints game a couple years yeah. ago, the pass interference. I defended that side judge there because when the ball's coming at you, it's very difficult to see 
did the ball get to the receiver or not, right? You have the wrong angle. From the side where the TV showed it, it's very easy to see he was really, really early, right? So I guess my follow-up question on some of these is, instead of full-time referees, do we have enough? I mean, NBA went to three. Do we have enough officials on the field for all the action that's go that's going on? That And that's been part of the conversation, even going back. I mean, I could remember this 10, 15 years ago. We, we studied and... And, and tested with eight officials on the field. A lot of college conferences use eight. We tried because late 2000s, probably 2008, 2009, the umpire who was in the defensive backfield, um, we moved, we got rid of that position. That, that was a lot of collisions. It wasn't safe. The ump wasn't safe for the umpire. It wasn't safe for the players, the receivers and defensive players that are trying to, to run in that area of the field. So we got rid of the umpire. And that did, that's an extra set of eyes now that is gone and you have to adjust and account for that. And, uh, and so we did study looking at, looking at an eighth official. I think where the league eventually pivoted to is, is not an eighth official, but, but using technology and using replay to help account for, for that missing set of eyes. And, uh, and so I think, again, I think it's a balance. I do think, and I agree with you on that call. And I think that's the disconnect where, the official gets to look at it one time from their perspective, and they may not have the best angle, but we get to evaluate and critique that official based on five or six different angles from, from different perspectives and super slow motion. So it's really easy when you're able to look at all those angles, but the official gets one shot at it from their perspective. And I agree from where the, the line of scrimmage official was looking, and actually both sideline officials, it was a tougher angle. Should they have gotten it? Yes, they should have gotten it. But it was a tougher angle um, than you know what we're able to do with four or five different different angles after the fact. No, no, no question. And, and they're human. And I think on that Rams and Saints play, some of the referees after the the official original no call were busy shooing Sean Payton back into the box, right? Instead of yeah. conferring and saying, are you sure that might've been early? I saw it from this angle, you know, who knows? I mean, everyone's human, right? A um, lot of things to talk about. I know you're limited on time. I really appreciate how you like, you come off a big, and we'll, we'll talk about XFL. And I think your access in XFL this weekend was awesome. Like to, to have that in real time like that. And, and I'm jealous of your replay system. Uh, but do you think, Broadcast is anywhere near ready to have a medical analyst. I, I'm not sure that they are. Don't speculate on injuries and so forth. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think that's, you know, my experience and even just from both sides, from the NFL side and from the broadcast side, that's been the the mantra, right? Don't don't speculate on injuries. And and obviously in a in a medical analyst role, that would be a, a big part of what you would have to do. Um, but I do think there is there is a need, and I do think there's a place for it. And I think you could we could work around some of that where you're not speculating, but you're giving a an expert opinion based on what you're seeing, and you're not going to come out and say, "Well, this is absolutely this." But I just I, I just go back to the Demar Hamlin situation. There was so much time that ESPN had to fill. And it really, I felt it put the crew in the studio in a tough yes. spot because, because they don't know, they don't know all the, the, the medical um, aspects of what's going on. And it just felt like they were like the rest of us just hoping and praying that, that this was yeah. going to turn out okay. 
Whereas if we had someone like yourself that could have said, and I know you and I talked about it in Phoenix as to what you were seeing and what they were doing with, with DeMar and the other things, you could have said, okay, um, here's, here's what happens in a situation like this. The process. Here's, That's here's what you do. Process. You might do all the time. The process. Right. And what here's is, yes. the process. Here's what's going to happen. And you can walk people through that. And, and I think if you focus, and I always try to focus on the process not necessarily the outcome. I think we'll get to the outcome if we focus on the steps in the process. And I think I think there's a place for it. And I and and I think that again, there is that concern about speculating about injuries, but I don't think that has to be it. I think there's other there's other opportunities for someone to come in and give a really professional and expertise opinion on what's happening. Yeah, I'm just jealous of your replay board. That was pretty cool this weekend at XFL, <laughs> watching that. A uh, couple other things. I know your time is limited. You're super busy. Y- you talked a lot about the 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 tush-push play being, you know, maybe yeah. illegal and the scrum and the dangers of it. And I agree with you in the dangers of it. If you notice, Patrick Mahomes never never uh, sneaks the ball ever since his kneecap dislocation, right? And yeah. so there is injury issue. But And we can talk about is it legal? Is it not legal to help and whatever, but the hip drop, since we're injury related, um, we've been saying for a while that, that falling on, and I'm not saying anyone who does it is dirty, but you're just hanging on for dear life and trying to bring the guy down. But I do feel that hip drop play is about as dangerous as, you know, a horse collar. And so uh, I do think something needs to be done about it. And I don't know how you would what sort of rule you would say you can't leave your feet if you're hanging on to somebody or so I don't know what the rule would be and to make it fair for defenders, but I do believe it's a clear point of danger. There's no question. I think there, a lot of the mechanics are similar to the horse collar. And when the horse collar rule was, was came out of the competition committee every year, competition committee looks at that the injuries the major injuries, and we would put that together for, on the officiating side. That was one of my first jobs when I was an intern with the officiating department was cataloging the injuries and putting them based on, okay, uh, knee injuries, lower leg injuries, ankle, uh, and, and, and head and neck. And they would go through that. And we saw going through the lower leg injuries, we saw injuries occurring based on this horse collar technique. And we got it out. And, and now you're looking at this hip drop tackle or whatever, whatever you want to call it, where it's similar, where the defender is leaving his feet and landing on the lower leg. I look at it, though, as the horse collar, the element of the horse collar that's that's objective and easier to officiate is the grab of the collar. Right. That 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 the officials can see. Whereas if we try to legislate every time a defender leaves their feet to make a tackle, that's going to be very difficult to do and i think that puts a tremendous burden on on the defender and and i'm not sure i think we'd have to look at whether it's the tony pollard injury the patrick mahomes injury if there are others look at the mechanics of those tackles and say are there are is there a common thread are there common denominators that we can we can look at point out and give to our officials i'm not sure that that we're there yet but i do agree that it is a point of danger and i know the league will certainly look at it i mean Kenyon drake broke his ankle that way with the raiders um you know and so it it's it's out there it's a difficult thing to to how do you do it fairly in some ways i would say look i get 
the body weight penalty on quarterbacks, but that's very hard to judge sometimes, right? And then leaving your feet would be hard to judge, but, you know, it is a safety thing. All right, so I wasn't going to ask you this question, but my staff said you I had to. (laughs) Uh, um, It's a silly question, and I used to ask it of NFL officials, and no one ever gave me an answer. So I'm quite sure you will give me an answer as to why. So the... There used to be historically a goal line extended pl- rule, right? The goal line went around the world. But now you have to bring the ball inside the field of play to score. If that's the case, it seems like people judge the ball hit the pylon and they call it a touchdown, but the pylon sits out of bounds. Like baseball, the foul pole is fair. So shouldn't the pylon either be in fair territory or somehow adjud- don't adjudicate by hitting the pylon. Why, why is the pylon yeah. placed there in that rule? It's it's a good question. And I think so the pylon, by definition, is in the end zone but out of bounds, which which feels like those are conflicting statements, right? They're, but it is, and I think the, the, the origin of the pylon was to to identify the intersection of the sideline and the, and the goal line and to give – not just the players, but the officials, a point of reference when they're ruling on that. Because that is a difficult play to rule on where the ball actually crosses the sideline. And they have to do that in the field of play, and it becomes very difficult. Even on replay, without the pylon, it would be very difficult to rule, did that ball cross inside or over that intersection? So you have that pylon there. The goal line still does extend, but only in certain situations. If a runner gets a body part down in the end zone first before touching out of bounds, then the goal line extends, and then the ball could break the plane outside the pylon. If you don't get a body part down in the end zone and you're just airborne and you land out of bounds, that's when the ball has to cross inside or over. So so I think the pylon, it's a good indicator. It's a visual indicator that the nose of the ball touches the pylon. We know it's a touchdown, and that makes it uh, an easier play and, and allows the officials to, to officiate it more consistently. But technically, if the nose of the football touches the outer edge – Correct. Of the pylon, yes. you're technically not we, crossing the plane. Hundred percent, you're absolutely right. <laughs> we just don't differentiate between the outer edge and the inner edge because then, then it would be almost impossible for the officials and even in replay. So sometimes we just have to, we just have to suspend logic for the for the <laughs> kind of the benefit of of consistency and simplicity. No, I get it. So technically, the rule should be that it's it's four inches or three inches extended beyond the sideline of the <laughs> yes, to incorporate yes. the the pylon all right so i, I did that because these guys were egging me on to uh to to do that look I, I we're over time on you i really appreciate how busy you are and that you're coming on but besides uh being the uh medical dean blandino we i'm going to close with this and hopefully it gives you a chuckle we have one other thing in common and i'll bet you even my guys and the producers and people that are in the room won't know what it is and you won't either dean but it's a funny thing we we are two people who have both been on the Dallas Cowboys bus yeah uh, there you go not at the same time though not no at the not same at the same time not at the same time i mean uh, uh, i i the 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 I won't say who brought me on, but it was during a combine. I got a nice little yeah, uh, yeah. ride on the bus. It's a nice form of transportation. Uh, but I thought I'd end with that funny little anecdote that we even have that small little 
piece of minutiae in combine. Yes, well, the combine's coming up in about a week or so, so the, I'm sure the bus will be out there in Indianapolis. If you're out there, maybe we'll we'll rendezvous on the bus. <laughs> yeah, I think the bus is a one-time thing for me, and, and it's fine. And the combines, you know, I used to, I'm debating going, Dean. I mean, people say I should go, but I don't want to go because I've been to like 21 combines. I mean, yeah, I went to the yeah. combines when, when St. Elmo's was the only place to have dinner. Right. right I mean, right, and now yeah. there's so many places and, and, and the, the habit trails indoors. But the other reason I don't know that I want to go is because it's good networking, good stuff, but I would never go and try and get into the medical side of the combine, which I would be, but I'm in media. I, I, I don't want to cross those boundaries. Sure. sure and so, sense. uh, and Indy's cold too. I live in San Diego. It can so be. We'll, I haven't checked the weather. I haven't. I'm in LA, right? I haven't checked the weather. I'm going to check it and hopefully hold my breath and see if we're going to get a. Maybe we'll get a nice warm spell. All right, Dean. Thank you so much for coming on. We're going to take a quick break here. Really appreciate the time. And look, I had no idea you're jumping into all this XFL. You're busier than ever. And uh, you know, I appreciate you letting me say I'm the medical Dean Blandino. And thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, David. All right, that was fun uh, talking to Dean. There, I could have gone a lot longer. I actually, I actually had a list of questions, and I kind of edited them out because we were taking too long and uh, maybe there should be a, a part two or maybe I'm too talkative or whatever. We had a fun conversation in uh, Phoenix. We talked for a good 45 minutes or something. Now Dean's and, uh, great. He's, he's great. So uh, now we're bringing back in Jacob and Justin's in the background and Taylor's here. We had to have Taylor's mic on mute before because, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm just joking. No around. control. Yeah. No, no filter over <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. No, we just figured, uh not they were in the room when we did the recording here uh with dean but uh just too many faces on the thing you know (laughs) too many too many you know uh uh too confusing but let's get to the rest of our podcast here actually a lot going on in sports still and uh as usual we'll let jacob drive the bus here not the cowboys bus but uh (laughs) (laughs) the sports injury central bus yeah I'm, i'm impressed that uh dean had the pylon answer ready to go He's like you last referees live, and they haven't uh, come up with that. Oh, I know. When I've asked response, referees on the so, field, yeah. they're like, "Get oh, away from me!" They didn't want to deal with it. I mean, <laughs> but Dean admitted that it's a convenience, yeah. right? He said, "Yeah, technically, you know, uh, makes uh, a difficult call a little easier." So but I did I learn that I didn't realize goal line extended still worked. Like if you put your toe into the end yeah. zone, goal line extended right. would work. That's actually interesting. Yeah. I did not know so that. So you step in the end zone, but somehow the ball is out around the pylon. So, still so, so really, yeah. So if you're like, let's say uh, an out pattern, if your toe is in the end zone, you can reach around in the out of bounds right. portion and, and right. cross the goal line. Extended. I actually yeah. didn't know that. So uh, uh, it was kind of fun. But you guys egged me on. I wasn't going to ask him that dumb question <laughs> about the pylon. That's good. I got a good answer. It's a known loophole that you know about that they know too, and they have a they have a way around it. So. Yeah, the, the tuck rule. The, yeah. This uh, let's not go there. Anyways, yes. we got uh, we got plenty to get to. But yeah. since, since we're on the topic, that XFL kicked off this weekend. Uh, I found the kickoff rules really interesting. They start five yards apart, and they can only start blocking once the receiver gets the ball. Yeah, you know, I think that's interesting. But, you know, the question I, that I should have asked Dean that I forgot to ask him, and and I guess I think I know the answer to this. I still think that referees talking to a pool reporter after the game is right. very helpful. Right. Look, it didn't end the controversy that Carl Cheffer said, well, we didn't 
we weren't thinking about anything. We were just getting the mechanics of the call. There was no yep. debate. He pulled on his jersey with his right hand. And I thought that was interesting to just have that out there. And I still advocate medically when there's something that happens, whether it's two or whatever, you have a pool reporter talk to the doctor. Now, if you say you can't, okay, the pool reporter talked to Dr. Alan Sills. Or even if the pool reporter submits written questions that then – the team PR person can answer. I think that would clear some things up. Like, right. like last, the previous season, Devonte Adams, how did he get put back in the game so quickly? That was never his head. His head was clear. It was about his lungs and air. That would just add something to the equation or to a, yes, it was his back. And we checked him and we did this X, Y, Z. Now, if a player says HIPAA and you can't do it, that's fine. But don't teams all the time talk about knee questionable. That's HIPAA. Right. And so, they waive HIPAA anyways related to teams and the injury information. So I think that's a necessary component of transparency, and that has helped clear things up with the referees. But Dean Blandino part two podcast. Yeah, that's what it sounds funny. like. It sounds like it more and more that we need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> All good. Uh, or maybe we'll go go to go to Mike uh, uh, Pereira and yes. do that. No, <laughs> I'll, against I'll, each other. No, this, no. They're, <laughs> they're, they're, you know, I'm impressed how well they work together yeah. too. I mean, yeah. there's no um, you you know ego there. There's no. I mean, they work well. I mean, they they do a great job. All right. So I, I think that X XFL is interesting. The the extra rules, you it, know, going for three is kick, interesting. Onside kick one too, where uh, instead of onside kick and you do a fourth and 15 and if you convert it, you get to keep the ball. Yeah. That's an interesting one too. But, you know, in all fairness, you know, I got to say James Bradbury for a second. I held him. I thought yeah. I could get away with it, but I held him. It was a chance I took. It yeah, didn't he, work. He kind of, he could have way he, extended it. He could have extended flame, Yeah. But just like you say to Jarek McKinnon, don't score. Go down because of the clock. You tell them that in the huddle. Right. I would think and assume that the Eagles would be saying, third and eight, we got to make the stop, but no defensive penalties. Right. Because they know you get even automatic first down. I would imagine that's talked about in the huddle, so too. So don't try to get away with one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Don't you know, I mean, don't right? put it in their hands. Yeah. Right? I mean, I mean uh, sure, we're trying to stop them, but – the worst thing is not necessarily letting them score a touchdown. The worst thing is giving them a first down short clock where yeah, they can yeah. run out the clock. That was the worst thing That's that essentially could happen. Right. Yeah. So it's almost like I would imagine that they had that discussion mm -hmm. and saying, you know, no defensive penalties. Now, jumping off sides would have only been five yards. That that one gave him the first down and then basically ended the game. Right. So I'm sure they talk about that too. Uh, just to get a little plug in uh, with draft combines coming up next week. Uh, we're going to start rolling out the draft uh, combine, a uh, little health notes. There's always uh, people coming in with previous stuff, Hendon Hooker, uh, Nolan Smith, Brian Breesey. So a lot of top quarter, a lot of top prospects, obviously folks on quarterbacks and running backs, all the skill positions, but we do also have O-line stuff. I mean, that's uh, caused Evan Neal to drop last year's draft. So, there's always plenty of plenty of stuff to talk about uh, NFL wise, but uh, gotta gotta ask you this question, Doc, because it comes up every time he gets back on a golf course. Is Tiger back? <laughs> well, he's back. He played a tour event, right? He's back 
playing. He he's, shot a 67. He's, he's on one the of the day. top golfers in the world. Yeah. I mean, the only time I shot 67, I quit after seven holes or something. You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, counting every stroke. No, he's back. He's a t- he's a legitimate PGA golfer. He's finished what top 50, but was I mean, he wasn't a threat to win. No, and golf is just so competitive in across four days. I think what we're saying there is he is a great golfer, period, end of discussion. But he's not the same as he was, partly 47, partly time off, partly he can't get enough practice rounds in to get in the groove because of the uh, foot and ankle. Right. He's a top golfer, but I don't think he's a threat to win a tournament at right. this point in time. And that, that's kind of not the question you're answering is, can he be a top 50 golfer? Yes. Can he be a top 10 finisher every time he steps on the golf course again? It's going to be tough. He can't be the old tiger, but to be fair, Tom Brady wasn't the old Tom Brady in this last season. Right. I mean, he's still really good yeah. and you'd want him as your quarterback, but um, you know, Father, Father Time, Time yeah. is undefeated. Yep, yep. <laughs> look, and look, it's an interesting question. Uh, would would Tiger ever consider a, a cart? I mean, Casey Martin, they said it was okay. Only happened once. I, I don't know. And, and I, think it's, stuff, yeah. I think it's very difficult. You, you looked up. Tiger actually said he's he's that's not him. He would he's never. Not, I don't think he would. Yeah, I think yeah. he'd be bastardizing the game. He's too yeah. much of a purist. Yeah. I don't think he would either. And, uh, you know, I don't know how hilly that country club is. I don't think that hilly. It's if if you look at him walk, the limp is on hills, especially downhill. And if you notice uh, when he's picking his ball out of the hole, there's a hitch. When he's he's almost uses his putter as a little bit of a cane. You saw him get out of the sand trap with a little bit of a right. cane yep. uh, to to help that side. Um, look. He's made a nice comeback. And don't forget, he's got a spine fusion too. Yeah. And yet, and there are studies about his club head speed and how good it is and how fast it is. And But golf's just a really tough sport. It's about, you know what golf is? Golf is like winning that big time, big money DFS contest where there's like 50 or 100,000 participants. Yep. I mean, you got to have every, if, if you don't have every pick perfect, you're not winning that. Yeah. Fan duel contest. You got to be different contest. too. You got to have a weird lineup too. You can't yeah. have like you got to thread that yeah, needle exactly. to win that. Absolutely, and that's a little bit golf, right? I mean, because one bad shot, one bad hole knocks you off, and so it's the consistency across four days, and it's all these young, great golfers that yeah, you know. John Rahm won at seventeen under. It's you got to put together a hell of a tournament to to even get close to that. So he's won look, five of the last nine. He's yeah, a little look, different too. <laughs> You put me 10 feet away, a flag stick away on every hole in regulation and just say putt. I don't think I'm minus 17 no. across no, the board. No, <laughs> you're not. No. <laughs> you just put the ball. You yeah. put it a putter length away. Yeah, I don't know that I'm minus 17. Yeah. <laughs> Those fast greens and making every putt. I mean, yep. oh, boy. Making 17 one putts without a double bogey across – 72 holes. I don't know that I could do that. (laughs) Uh, Forget all that. But anyways, yeah, Tiger's great. Look, that's the problem with the Masters. That's the one. It's so hilly there. It's just, and the camera doesn't do it justice. I'm telling Mm -hmm. you, I've been lucky enough. I've walked it. I mean, uh, been lucky enough to attend. And uh, no pictures, obviously, no cameras. But it's really, 
it it fools you. You know how when you go skiing and you take a picture and you're like, wow, this is a big steep hill. And you take a picture and you frame it and it's like, it looks like a bunny hill. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the optical illusion of Augusta. I mean, it's the same thing. It's very hilly and that's where it's very difficult. So we'll see. I mean, I think, uh, unfortunately, uh, Jack's uh, majors record is safe, but he's back. It's good to have Tiger back. I mean, we just got to enjoy having him out there. I mean, it's, it's clear how much it takes for him to even walk a course four days in a row. He's talking about all the rehab. He's jumping straight in the ice bath right after he finishes. It's yeah. and, and this is what we're, we said all along. He's not going to be miraculously better after another offseason. This is what this shows. Could he be a little bit better? Sure, I hope he is. But to say he's 100%, no. Uh, it's just not going to happen, unfortunately, at this point in time. We're going to switch sports to the other football, but just want to mention we're, we've been on top of all the uh, off-season surgery stuff. So we got stuff up on uh, Jonah Williams, uh, blanking on some other off-season surgery. Rob Dalvin Birdie. Cook. Coming up surgery. Yeah, coming up on uh, <laughs> I thought you were going soccer the You like the other football. I am. I mentioned, uh, mentioned the football and then going to soccer. A little Neymar action. Yeah, that's what I thought you were going to do. Switching yeah. up on you. So. Sports Injury Central. <laughs> yes. All injuries of note. Yes. So Neymar injured the same ankle as he did in the World Cup. Uh right ankle um they got a huge match champions league coming up march 8th by video what do you see on neymar doc inversion right ankle sprain pretty significant you said grade three i believe grade right? three however because he's done this before he may have done less new damage which gives him a chance right uh, unfortunately soccer is one of those sports where 85% on your ankle, you're not playing, right? right. You, you got to be close 100, to 100. Yeah. And the conditioning yep. and all that stuff. I mean, stuff, yeah. if this is a Steph Curry situation where he sprains all the time, he comes right back and it looks horrible because the ligaments are all stretched, then he has a chance. So I think he has a chance, not a guarantee. It's not a guaranteed miss. I think he has a chance. So we'll have to see how it goes. And you guys will keep the sick insight numbers yep. ticking on Absolutely. Neymar and, yes. and what have you. Giannis too. Giannis flying, getting uh, that right wrist sprain looked at um any cause for concern what are, what are they talking about checking out i mean he played 20 seconds in the all-star game got his got his points fouled and then uh left him to be the head coach after that r.i.p to the un, the over 23.5 betters who didn't know that they were doing that secretive he was like i keep he was telling plus, you unders can pay money to i know <laughs> he was plus I know. 650 he was plus 650 to win all-star game mvp like he, was, he had the second best odds yeah for like they thought he was going to be involved yeah well, all I can say is that's the ultimate form of elite load management, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, Definition, yeah. It, is that load it, management for the knee or the wrist? Well, maybe both. The but, knee wrist, you know, yeah. No, but yeah. here's my point. I've been saying load management happens in other sports, right? And we see it in the NFL. A guy, okay, Kadarius Tony. I mean, was it true load management for the season? No, it was... You know, he didn't get as much snaps or targets because he wasn't involved as much. But his ankle was healthy, right? And he had that great return. We see it in football all the time, okay? Uh, Red zone targets only or specialty situations or work your way back or, you know, preserve your knees. We don't see it in all positions. Offensive linemen, loan management are are during practice days, right? right? But we see it in the NFL. But in basketball, do you want to see load management with Giannis? Okay, he suits up every game, but he's only going to play a quarter in some of the games. I mean, yeah, it's a difficult situation. The, the real own solution, if you really want to preserve guys and do this, is 
cut the number of games. And back-to-backs and travel back-to-backs, all that stuff. But that's yeah. revenue. Yeah. Right. So it's hard to cut that. Yeah. You're cutting revenue. And uh, NBA is getting expensive. I'm going to uh, – I might have to, like, try and uh, pull some strings here. We're going to spring training, and I guess – the Suns have a game. My son's favorite basketball player now is Devin Booker. I don't know why, but okay. Uh, so, uh, anyways, better options. I looked at some tickets for maybe when we're out there. They're playing the 76 or something. They were expensive. Well, that's, that's why. Yeah. I was like, geez. <laughs> now they're that, crazy. That's a good uh, transition. Though. Could be KD's first game for them after coming back off the MCL sprain. So, that might be why they're pricey too. Well, I might have to. There's a new owner too. So, yeah. they're putting money where it should maybe yeah yeah, the, uh, <laughs> yeah sarver the old owner is a san diego guy yeah uh, yes he's he's no longer but uh back in the day when they did training camps out here the sons i helped them out some so i might have to like make a phone i'll buy them face value though not the <laughs> yeah, scalper right. six seven hundred dollar <laughs> tickets no it's great it's not even That's a playoff rough. game right you guys said it's not playoffs yet, who knows so. but face value might be five hundred dollars yeah. i don't <laughs> yeah, know yeah. <laughs> right my son lives a good life all yes. downhill. <laughs> right. I say he went with you to the Super Bowl too. Yeah, that's and that's probably the best game you've seen in Arizona this month. That's what you said too. I remember you commenting. You were talking to someone like this is all Super Bowls for him are going to go downhill now after going to that and seeing probably one of the better games in the last 10, 15 years. I already grade, know the so. next one. He's going to be bugging <laughs> me about opening day Padres. Oh, there you go. Like, so I've, I've already tried. How, how's this for a blocker? I said, look, why don't I? He's playing baseball game now. Why don't we, I told my wife, why don't we throw a party on opening day for his baseball team? Oh, that's, that's, good. that's a lot cheaper than buying opening day yeah. tickets, too. Oh, yeah. That's genius talk. That's he, he, heat up the pool and get in and hot dogs and Cracker Jack. And, and we'll have the game on, the outside. Game on yeah. outside. Yeah, yeah exactly. you know, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's that's the way to go. Those are going to be expensive. Yeah. Now. The roster that they're, they have, that's going to be a you know, ticket right there. We, we got yeah. plenty of time to get into it and plenty of uh, evidence once the season starts. But Tatis in right field, is there any uh, – I know you've been – been shouting caution to the You've wind. been against that, I yeah. would say, more hard, hard line. Moving that, him yeah. into the outfield. <laughs> look, look, look. The shoulder can, issue, can, wrist can, issue. Can he move to the outfield? Of course he can because he's, he's a great talented. athlete. Yeah, right. Okay. But what I was saying about moving him into the outfield with the shoulders, to do it in season is insanity. Yeah. Like, boom, we're just going to switch you. I just, I think it's more dangerous in the outfield in a position he doesn't know, especially where they were going to put him in center field. Right. Especially that guy. What makes Tatis great? He's the matrix. He contorts his body. He goes all out. He's mm -hmm. that kind of guy. You, you think he's going to like, oh, it's a warning track. I better be careful. No, he's going to hit when he gets hurt in the outfield, it's going to be high-speed collision. It's not going to. It's going to be a highway accident, not a city fender bender. But with an off-season to work on it, it's a much better chance of success. Well, remember, they had that uh, prospect from the Twins, uh, Royce Lewis. Yep. He did the same thing. He was a shortstop. They have Correa there now, and you know before um, he crashed in the wall. He had, a, like you said, it's a high-speed accident for him, and he was out for a majority of the year. And he lost. Well, that's that's what I said. You know to. Uh, Kevin AC, you know what happened? I said, yeah, Tribune, uh, yeah. Tribune uh, who I worked with before. I said, no, that's a bad idea. He's like, why? And I said, look, if your teenager is now driving a car for the first time, you want him to be in the city 
or you want them to be on a country road at high speeds. I don't think you want them at high speed. In the city, okay, you may there's more chance at accidents, but they're not going to get injured. Mm-hmm. You know, the speeds aren't that high. The bumps and bruises. Yeah, you, yeah. you're going to get fender bender, and you know, you know. But I think they're going to walk away from the car accident. Right. That right. was my worry about Tatis. But with an off season, yeah. right field is better than center field. I mean, still the shoulder issue. I mean, it did get it. He did get surgery, fixed, so, so maybe he got shoulder better. fixed. Yeah. And and we we're on a record that we're so more worried about the wrist and the shoulder. Right. Hopefully, there's there's nothing to worry about either. The shoulder's pretty reliable, so hopefully that will be the case. And Russ too. Talking about football, we always say about like Michael Thomas and stuff. If you're a year or so removed from the game, coming back in, it's going to be difficult for him just to hit too, even if he was healthy, right? Well, luckily, he can be at spring training, I believe. Okay, so that, that, he'll that be at spring yeah, training, useful, then yeah. off, and then come back. But right, I don't know. I think maybe a little different. He's so young I think, and multiple. I, th- I think I think if you could hit, you could hit. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, it's a little bit riding a bike. I mean, yeah, is there a little bit get used to it? Sure. But I don't think you forget how to hit. Okay. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's going to be that big of a drop off. No, it'll be interesting to watch him in right field because no one just hearing what you hear from Tatis, I'm sure there's no ball hit at him that he doesn't think he's going to make a play on. So. He has an arm, right? I would expect <laughs> yeah. him to have some good outfield assist, but I'm just he's, like you he's said, gonna go crazy he's going to go crazy trying to dive the balls down the yeah, line. I, and, yeah, I he's, agree. That's him. Yeah. If there's, yeah. if there's one way to endear yourself back to fans, it's that. It's and, I, and I feel it's interesting. So. I think needs, San Diego fans are starting to forgive him, and like it's going around, and and actually some of the IRs now shifting to Manny because he opted out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> if, you, if you need a scapegoat, Manny's your man. So. <laughs> yeah. They did do that. You're right. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, Beast of the Week, I got uh, multi-sport athlete DK Metcalf. Threw down a dunk in the celebrity game. And then, of course, there's that video. You're our uh, go-to video. Is it fake or not, Doc? Come on. (laughs) What do you think? You don't think he can jump? He can reach 12 feet in the air? He didn't on the dunk on with with the right shoes and bouncy floor and all. First of all, you don't think that's a real video, right? We have to video. test you first. It's not a real video. <laughs> yeah. what, what what if what if Steph Curry jumping that oh, high? Would be real. Be, okay, yeah, <laughs> that's not real, obviously. But good editing job. But here's the thing: DK Metcalf is an unbelievable athlete. Yes, absolutely. You called him Adonis before that's when we were doing his draft. The only coverage. he's the, one of the only guys who you could. Have that video and people go, eh, it might be real. <laughs> Not even close. I'm NFL, too the NFL did they they want a drug test from yeah, they already drug tested after the yeah. Subway All Star game and that that jumping video. First of all, a is that text message real? You could have created 100%, 100% that. Hundred okay. percent. Yes. Okay. Yep. You could have been a Tom Brady promo thing, right? <laughs> I mean, just like the video, Tom Brady, Steph Curry, yeah. the jumping. First of all, is it real? Don't know. You could recreate that pretty easily to make it look like that right? and gather some attention. Second of all, there is off-season drug testing that goes on in the it's, NFL, it's just normal. like it's Olympics. Like it's not nowhere. unusual yeah. to to do that. But, okay, what are the chances? Look, he made a nice dunk, okay? He's a tall, big guy. He's yeah. big. Super athletic, but, yeah. But uh, I don't want this to sound negative, but. I guess it's going to a little bit. He steals the ball. It's not like he runs down naturally. Like, like it was like lining it up. Let me get this steps. You know, yeah. Get, get my feet right. And, and yeah, it was a nice dunk. A guy, if he could jump 12 feet, why does he need to do that? Yeah. I mean, not a a chance. 
not if, a chance. If Mac McClung did it, I would believe the video was real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then and then uh, LeBron's finger. Yeah. On the, I mean, please, that's that happens all the time. I mean, come on. It's just because it was the it's first LeBron, time he played defense. Yeah. It was the first time he played defense that came. That's why everyone's like, oh my god, they played defense once and that happened. And they had uh, Jalen Brown back wearing a mask. Remember, he had the uh, facial fracture from Jason Tatum's elbow. He's he's the was a, was a mask buggy out there? Was the the question? He said, uh, "I mean, it was like a layup line out there, so it wasn't it wasn't was, really a real he, test." He, I mean, I know a layup line. He did look all right, though. Yeah. I mean, he was the one passing and assisting he, more than anybody too. He, so he guarded Jason Tatum like four times on the floor. They did like one on one. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I I forgot to watch it. I didn't even watch it. I, you didn't miss much. Yeah. But see, uh, I mean, why are people? Just a question. Why are people okay with? an all-star game for basketball like that when they're not okay with a pro bowl like that. I don't think they're okay with the basketball. Okay. I don't know if people are okay with that. I mean, it's, it's fun for the players running around. They don't get to mess around playing hoops like that. Like they did growing up and stuff. So it's, I feel like it's more for the players and a celebration of them. And it's supposed to be the, the best, benchmark. best yeah. pickup basketball game ever. No, that's what it's supposed it's to be though. Market intensity you, though. You have, you did. The, it never will be. They just did. They just did even more like a pick game. They made the, they picked the rosters, the starting lineups yeah. right before the game. That's as big I saw, a big interesting stat. Yeah. I might've gotten it wrong, but 82 shots from two point range. It was 73 of 82. <laughs> <Come> <laughs> so everything was a lamp or at the rim. There were no 15-foot jump shots in that game. When you said 82, I thought you were going to say from three. No, three-point was not that high. <laughs> the over-under was 324 that game. Blasted and it that. shot over that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's all good. It's, it's for the fans. Yeah, it's fine. Absolutely. But you make a good point. I mean, there's a lot of stopping and change of direction in basketball. So that's why... why expose them to another game you're talking about load management these are all-stars that are playing every time i know they get nine days off for the all-star break or whatever it is but why are you trotting them out there making them run back and forth for 40 minutes well i mean you can't complain about giannis not being there he, he yeah he was there he showed up he, he yeah. lowered his scoring average he was averaging 29 in all-star games and he played 20 seconds got two points and did the foul and exited <laughs> what's his point per second a lot. <laughs> so in like 15 minutes in those games, getting like 40. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. We got anything else today to go through? Or are we good? All right. Go to Sick Insights. That's where we're like really dialing up all the quick injury information stuff, off-season stuff. We'll have draft stuff there. And um, see, this is perfect. Off-season, we have some guests. We can always fill up our hour, hit the hour, Absolutely. Uh, et cetera. Yeah try to keep it to 45 and we never succeed never all right thanks again that was our first off-season uh podcast here uh dm me or 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 hitting replies either to sick score at six score on twitter or pro football doc what are the guests that you want to see right now um we got we got a lot of different ones uh von miller um some basketball stuff yeah, chris broussard Chris Nick Broussard, Wright Nick on, Wright, yeah. yeah. So not just football, but uh, we'll cover all different sports and different things. I thought Dean was a fun one, and yeah. uh, I, I wasn't sure how he would take my Cowboys bus reference, but I thought of that. because good. Uh, and uh, and uh, he took it very well. <laughs> he got some grief for that. I, I thought it was funny, but yeah. whatever. And, of course, the, what's the question everyone asks um, about the Cowboys bus? How nice is it? Oh, it's nice. Yeah, I do not know. <laughs> they typically ask about an amenity. 
what, what's like a snack in, bar on the bus soul, or something like that? Or the bus? Yeah. Yes. There, 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 there is a vertical railing that you can hang oh, on to yeah. if you're standing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course, that's, that's, yes, yes. that's smart. It yeah. just, it's for smart safe to put in there. Yeah, for, for safety. safety of yes, yes. Because the bus is crowded, you're standing. It's like yeah. a public. There's a vertical railing that you can hang on to. Yeah. Bumpy Perfect. ride. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're really off the rails now. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. <laughs>